you are listening to The Janine Garner Show. Janine is a leading expert on leadership and driving influence through networking and collaboration, passionate about bringing brilliant people together to achieve remarkable results. Join Janine Garner as she shares insights, interviews and conversations, and let's together make the remarkable happen. Welcome to the latest episode of Unleashing Brilliance. It is my absolute pleasure to have as a guest today uh, the amazing uh, woman that is Kathy Berg. I've known Kathy for a number of years. Uh, I met her for the very first time when she was the CEO of The Hunger Project. And Kathy continues to be part of my world uh, in the work that she is doing now from a thought leadership perspective in terms of taking her incredible amount of experience and learning into the corporate world. A little bit more about Kathy. Well, she for 20 years was the CEO of The Hunger Project. We'll certainly get a little bit more into that as, as we uh, move forward with our conversation. And then she was global vice president and her whole uh, vision there was around and continues to be around working to end hunger across South Asia and Africa. Kathy was an integral member of a visionary team who developed leadership at scale in villages all over the world. And through her work, uh, millions of the world's poorest people have stepped into their own leadership and have been able to feed themselves and their families. So she's done some incredible work and already left such a legacy on the planet. Kathy is passionate about human potential and the need to build movements that ignite leadership within countries, within communities, and within organizations. And now she takes those learnings from those last 25, 20 years, sorry, um, into her speaking, uh, which she does around the world, her mentoring, and uh, working with corporates to develop cultures and leaders uh, that are able to uh, take organizations and vision into the future. She's also written a fabulous book called Unlikely Leaders, Lessons in Leadership from the British Classroom, and she's won numerous awards. And today we are speaking to her from uh, her wonderful uh, home in Byron Bay. Welcome to the show, Kathy. It's fabulous to, to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. Hi, Janine, and thank you. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Now, before we get into all this incredible work that you're doing now um, and your vision for uh, the work that you're doing and the change that you are making, um, if you take yourself back to uh, being a, a smaller version of Kathy, can you remember what you wanted to be when you grew up and where that came from? Well, I'm one of seven children, so um, I... That's been such a formative part of my life. So actually sort of being part of community and part of like a tribe or a mob's always been something that I sort of gravitate toward. But when I was a kid, actually, I had really bad asthma and I used to be hospitalised like sometimes 12 times a year. I had collapsed lungs, Janine, I had pleurisy. And so what I desperately wanted to be was a nurse originally because of just how awesome nurses are. And then as I got a little bit older, I thought, oh, I want to be a physio because I spent so much time in physio getting my lungs whacked out. Um, and then I found out I had to be really good at maths and science. And so then I just sort of, yeah, that sort of faded away. But I remember as a kid, that's what I wanted to do. 
And is there anything that you can now, looking back, go, oh, wow, it was it was that bit of that work. And actually, when I look at my career and the work that I have been doing, there's definitely a line uh, between the two things. Is there anything that you can see as a connection point there? Not from probably childhood. Um, I think, or, or tangentially, I, I did feel like the odd kid. And our family was odd too because there were so many of us and my mum had really struggled with quite severe mental health issues. She spent a lot of time in and out of um, psychiatric care and and it just I had a lot of shame around that and a feeling of sort of wanting to hide my family and, and, and I just felt slightly odd. And so I went to uni. I started, I found I'd... One of my awakenings was rock and roll and particularly punk music and I sort of felt like I'd found my tribe there. And, but it wasn't until actually I left uni that I got involved in the peace movement and, again, it was people more on the edges of society. I think that's probably been my through line where um, those people that are wanting to change things and wanting to kind of mix things up, so, so firstly through punk and rock and roll and that was just Good times and anarchy, <laughs> and then. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Did you colour your hair? And yeah, of course, <laughs> brilliant. I was such a rat bag. So, um, but then, I, but then, getting involved in that, then I got involved in politics, and I ran an election campaign for an independent senator, and I helped write the constitution for the Greens Party in WA um, as a young person. And again, that was very fringy. So I think if I, my through line, and then in fact, even at the Hunger Project, when I ended up there, it was still very, at that time, considered fringy and strange to be talking about ending hunger. So that, that's been my thing. I've been sort of comfortable with the unknown and the margins, but I also know that's where change happens. So it's partly why I gravitate there as well. Can you uh, think of a particular watershed moment that uh, took you on the trajectory that you're now on? Is there anything in particular that stands out for you as a turning point of um, you becoming and doing the work that you're doing? Most definitely was when I first went to Ethiopia in 1992. So I was a, I grew up in Perth, so I was a young mum at that time and it wasn't that long after the whole the famine in Ethiopia in the mid-80s that, you know, Live Aid came out of and that sort of stuff. So even though the famine was over, the consequences were, were still really visible and the struggle was um, people were struggling to survive. And I ended up there because I'd started to get involved as a volunteer and a financial contributor to the Hunger Project and that was triggered by the birth of my first child where I'd thought, I, I can't imagine what other mums go through seeing their kids die of something like the common cold or diarrhoea and I just knew I had to do something about it although I didn't know what. And so I got involved as a volunteer and I ended up in Ethiopia on a leadership sort of expedition and I had a series of interactions with a group of villagers in a place called Go to Chile and I made a promise to them to be their voice and to take their situation out into the world to end hunger and it was a real road to Damascus defining moment. Um, I had to get over a lot of my own opinions about myself, like who am I to say that? I'm just a girl from Perth. I don't know how to do anything. Shouldn't the world, you know, the World Bank do something? 
And it was a profound realisation that actually just as I am, a renegade Perth girl, (laughs) a bit of a dag, could still have some say in how the world goes and digging into my own leadership and my own power to find what I needed and who I needed to be to serve in that way. And for five years I was then a volunteer and then eventually ended up going on staff and leading the organisation in Australia and and whatnot. But but that was such a face-to-face with with really humanities, we're just so much better than letting a billion people starve, you know. It's just I just what can't happen on my watch. And I'm also more than my identity and my past and my personality. There's some other possibility and future for me that I can carve out in behalf of that. And I think I was able to because it wasn't about me, Janine, and my career and what I wanted. It was actually um, that sort of understanding and one of this great Aboriginal activist said years ago uh, her name's Daisy that um, my liberation's tied up in the liberation of all others and and so there's that feeling of I get to grow but it's because I'm in service of something else that's so much bigger than all of us so that was definitely a big defining moment in my life. And and that's not a small defining moment either, Kathy. I'm sure there's people listening to this going, first of all, as part of the introduction, you know, this 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 vision of ending world hunger. And then you just throw out the, the statistic there of, you know, around a billion people uh, starving to death around the world. It's it's a mammoth exercise and absolutely not on our watch. But for the majority of people um they would probably dig deep put some money um into some sort of charity or go what 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 impact can little old me have what 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 made you believe or dig into that you said digging into your own leadership and power where where did that come from do you think what 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 was triggered how did you find that hunger and that belief that little old you from from perth could actually um, leave quite a big footprint by doing the work you did? Well, definitely having a crucible experience and there's been heaps of research that shows when you have that true transformation and one's life comes through like a crucible-defining moment and being in the villages of Go to Chile, Ethiopia, was that for me. That said, there were other people there with me and they didn't have that same experience. So there was some, I think, um, I just couldn't turn away was one thing. And secondly, I didn't look, I just looked at what's the next step I can take now. And one of the things, and I would have done anything. And one of the things I was, we were, you know, I need to raise money. Oh, okay. I've never raised a cent in my life. And I raised a hundred dollars. It was like, oh, and then I raised a bit more and then I raised a thousand. And it, so it's that classic living demonstration of what Professor Teresa Amabil talks about from Harvard of the progress principle of just those small actions as what's, what builds a legacy rather than thinking, oh, I need to get to be the CEO. How's that going to happen? And then be overwhelmed by the gap. So I just took that next step in behalf of my vision that was ahead in front of me, Janine, rather than this big thing because that would have been overwhelming. I would have... I wouldn't have been able to do anything. I would have been paralysed by the by the gap. 
Yeah, no, and I, I love that principle of, of small steps. Often we, uh, we, we put ourselves into a place of fear or paralysis by the sheer enormity of the mountain that we think we're climbing. But um, yeah, it reminds me, I met Abigail Disney quite a few years ago now, and she said to me, um, you don't have to climb Mount Everest, Janine. You simply need to choose to be a brick in the wall of change. Mm-hmm. And that, that moment was a pretty defining one for me. Of just just do something, just do something. Mm. So you've met lots of incredible women. I loved reading your book, um, the Lessons in Leadership book. Um, is there anyone in particular that has been a significant influence in your life? And what was it about them um, that has had that impact on you? Oh, I, I've met so many women, so it's, it's literally one of those how do you pick your, pick your you know, favourite children or whatever. Um, there's probably, there's weirdly, um, I've met so many women in villages, but, but, but I have to give credit to Joan Holmes who started The Hunger Project and what, what she, she's in her 80s and stuff now, but she was so uncompromising. She was the founding CEO at a time when it was really unpopular to talk about ending hunger and that hung, the hungry could be the ones who did it. And she was willing to give up what worked in behalf of what was now needed. And an example of that came out after the Beijing Women's Summit of 1995, where tens of thousands of women leaders and, and women from villages came together to really put women on the global agenda and she was there and it was a real, the research started to come through that unless we empower women, we won't create the change that needs to happen in whatever area of life we're wanting to impact, be it, you know, justice, hunger, climate change, anything, rights. We need to put women at the centre. And so even though the organisation had lots of great programs doing really good stuff, they didn't have women at the centre and she and they were getting funded, and she um, stopped all of those to start what was now wanted and needed. Um, lost uh, investors, lost some support, but then gained a whole new legion. And she risked it because that was what what was needed to be done, rather than just kind of what you're good at. And I I try to model that myself. Like I had a spectacular career um, at the Hunger Project, and and if you if you like, sort of gave that up because now I feel what was wanted and needed for me was something different. And it takes a level of courage and audacity to um, to to move move away from that level of comfort where you're getting the accolades, you're getting you're getting the kudos, uh, you're getting the funding, but it's actually not going to get you the fulfilment of your vision, however you define that. And she demonstrated that in so many different ways and it's just been something that I try to live by. That's, that's how amazing to have somebody like that uh, yeah. in, your, in your world revolving around you. And before we uh, move on to sort of the next phase, what are some of the, the critical things or the, the most proud moments, if you want to say proud, or the key achievements that you and the team uh, managed to deliver uh, during that time at the Hunger Project? Well, actually, I thought you were going to ask me what are some of the key achievements in my life, and so which I can get back to the other one. But, Janine, I am celebrating my 30th wedding anniversary this year. And I'm super proud of that, obviously. Yeah. And, it, and it's like it, it's like a beautiful 
rich, juicy, present relationship as well. It's not like, you know, this old couple who just stay together because it's comfortable. Um, And I've managed to maintain that relationship even though some years I would be away five, six months a a year um, working overseas and whatnot. Raised two children who are beautiful, healthy, happy, adjusted young adults and, um, yeah, I think that's pretty good. So <laughs> um, that was my When you're travelling and you've done uh, all the work, all the work that, that you've, you've, you've been doing so far. Now you've obviously taken all of these incredible learnings and experience uh, and seen an opportunity to drive change in another way. So, so for you now, what's, what is this next stage of Cathy? What's, what's the next phase? I'm working with organisations to help ignite our own leadership and different ways of leading. Um, and I've taken the experience that I had learning about leadership from an illiterate village woman who was married at 13, has so many obstacles against her, and yet with the right empowerment, she's able to, say, bring water to her village. And I did that for years. And and then looking at our organisations and so many friends, obviously, working corporates and different businesses, we, we, we're we're hungry as well, Janine, obviously not starving for food, but we we suffer from big levels of anxiety and confusion, um, disaffection, disengagement, this it sort of things. And I, I just felt that the experience that I'd had around in that part of my life could impact corporates. And I I was already doing that when I was at the Hunger Project. I designed these amazing leadership programs for eBay, Global and ComBank and Mecca Cosmetica, Business Chips and others and just saw the value that people had in getting a different perspective around what's possible for their own leadership and reframing their mindsets. And and then when I wrote my book, um, which has been out for a couple of years now, something just sort of shifted and I just thought, Actually, I want to work with with us in our world now and um, I feel really, really deeply satisfied with the legacy and the impact that I've made across the world Um, and I also really like that I'm starting this now. Like it feels like a a new challenge for me and a different way to contribute to humanity Um, and, yeah, I'm just really happy doing it quite a brave thing to do I think this this transitioning someone said to me the other day Janine you're the the queen of transformation you keep doing different things every I've worked it out actually it's every decade I decide to do something different um but I equally think it's it's it can be a really scary thing to shift to change to move away from what you've done, what you've known and what other people know you for to uh, taking a different tack direction because ultimately um, it's an inner passion, an inner drive to do that stuff. Um, have you experienced that, that feeling of, of fear and how have you overcome that? What advice would you give to people listening in that themselves may be going through their own version of, of change or transformation or transition? I think that um, I 
even if you're in a long, longish term career, whether or not you jump out and do something different like I'm doing, you still need those times to reconstitute, recalibrate your own relationship to your role and your leadership, even if you don't change jobs. And you need to do that on a regular basis, like at least every seven years. And when I look back at my career, I can see pretty much at that seven-year mark, um, I thought at both of those times, seven years and then 14 years, I thought, yeah, I'm done. You know, like I can, I've done this and, yeah, you know, I'm ready to like move on and then it wasn't the right timing for different reasons. And so, for instance, seven, in the, seven, the 14 year mark, I realized I can't keep leading. I'd, I'd come to the end of what I knew and I had no more juice or nothing new. And I felt like I couldn't lead. And so I then went to Japan. My sister lives in Tokyo and I, I was there for a, a month. I just took a couple of poetry books and a notepad and I stayed in this forest sort of hermitage and I just wrote and thought and crafted the next phase of my life and I stayed at the hunger project but it it burst forth this whole new direction for the work that I was doing and so even if you're not wanting to leave the organization you don't make for financial reasons or because you don't feel your work is done there but you've come to the end of you know what you know it's really important to to recalibrate to then create that next gap for yourself that you can learn and to grow into. And I think I'd come to the end of that when I decided to leave and I potentially could have then stayed and recalibrated and done just what I said. But I I just had this calling to I wanted more freedom. Um, I had a highly structured, highly pressure role. It was sort of role really if you didn't make your targets, people died. Um, and so... Yeah, I just so I, that that was my advice. So so you you don't have to jump around, but I I think to, it's really important that we honor phases in our life and in our careers with some deep dive, with some thinking, and having some freedom to 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 dig into what you don't know because that's actually where in in where the juice sort of lies for creating the next part, and then. The, then the fear bit becomes less about the fear. It gets to be more about this richer space that you can move toward rather than, oh, my God, I'm going to be out of a job. I won't have money. That's just all noise in the background. I, you know, had a little bit of that, but I just thought, no, actually there's some inner, inner thing that's compelling me in this direction and I'm going to listen to it. But I created the space for it to be heard and step into it. So that fear bit, I just managed it rather than let it um, overtake me. And the work that you're you're doing now, um, what what does success look like with that? What what is the reason for doing the work that you're doing? What are you seeing as some of the biggest challenges uh, out there that that you know that you can support change the change process with? Yeah, for me, it's really around building movements and igniting possibility and joy in workplaces again. So um, we have really old notions of who gets to lead and who doesn't. And I think moving us into more of a reframing what leadership is. Um, and so we start to claim that for ourselves, irrespective of what our job titles are, just reinvigorates and energises our own work and our workplaces. Um, 
And I don't know whether it's just seeing so many people in villages around the world who had nothing and no authority being able to make great change. I get really inspired by what's possible with our organisations when more of us wake up to the power we do have to influence, to be happier, to make impact at work and then what the ongoing flowing effects would be from that. I just love people, Janine. Like I just love us. Like I I have a lot of compassion for, um, yeah, we're not starving and we're not, you know, but this one of my pet peeves is the hashtag first world problems. It's like, you know, I had a hard day at work or hashtag first world problem. I think actually we need far more compassion and love and space and acceptance for us in our lives, in our workplaces. We suffer loss. We suffer anguish it's, and anxiety and and. We deserve to be, um, we deserve more and we deserve to be heard and empowered and supported to be the best embodiment that we can be. And, and I think that's true for all humans, not just for people living in, in desperate situations. So, yeah, I'm loving talking about stuff with organisations that, that, in the past would have been like a little bit, well, we can't really talk about that. And I think there's a huge hunger for it now. Yeah, and I love creating that space for organisations to change and grow and become something richer. And I love your whole conversation around the humanity piece. And, you know, you've seen both extremes um, of of life, uh, in, I'm imagining, in terms of the work that you witnessed um, in those early days of your your career as a volunteer and coming out of Ethiopia and then uh, moving into that CEO position and I'm imagining having conversations with some very wealthy businesses to get funding and then now working with corporates and as you said, the individual that uh, is talking about hashtag first world problems. Throughout all of that, um, what what would you be your definition of um, the title of this podcast, Unleashing Brilliance? What would you say to people that are feeling stuck or that are are feeling like they're not moving anywhere? Um, as somebody that is so passionate about humanity, what would you say to them? I would say that there's nothing wrong with feeling how you're feeling and there's a lot of richness and um uh, there's something new emerging for you there and I have felt it too. So I think sometimes we psychologise and think, well, I shouldn't feel this bad, I've, you know, I've got this, I've got that. But actually Martha Graham talked about divine dissatisfaction and it's a this feeling that we have, it's like don't try and push it away or, or medicate yourself over it. There's something there for you if you're willing to 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 hold it and push through it there's, there's that's where your where your gold will be and talk about it with others get support for it don't don't feel bad about it or shame about it there's absolutely nothing wrong there's so many pressures we face and and it's normal in so many ways so i feel like kind of normalizing these feelings and taking them out of the the faking it till you make it category um, I, I just really urge people to 
start exercising that muscle, having real conversations with yourself, with others, um, and finding that 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 thread through. Find books that inspire you. Find great. Be listening to this podcast. Um, get support. You know, do 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 things. Find your group to be able to um, push through to the next the next phase of your life, the next arc of your life is waiting for you just on the other side. Kathy, you're you have got so many incredible stories and so much uh, experience, lived experience that for me it's really exciting uh, seeing you now taking all of that learning uh, into corporates to fundamentally uh, build cultures that are going to leave legacy into the future for generation after generation, as well as the leaders that are going to create the impact um, as 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 the humans that they're supposed to be. So it's uber exciting the work that you're doing. And anybody that's interested in talking more to Kathy, I highly recommend you you reach out. Maybe put uh, a lot of time in your diary because there's always so much to talk about. There's a couple of things you you, um, raised um, that I just want to go back to. You talked a lot about the fact that change happens at the end. And I'm really, I I think that's a a really, some of those those statements that has so much subtlety and yet so much magic in it. Because in this world of uh, incredible change, where we're having to adapt and move quicker than ever before, uh, we're often missing uh, the opportunity that is existing at the edges because we're so busy moving in the mainstream. And I think that requires all of us to sort of slow down and, and think that little bit more. Um, you also talked about transformation um, for many people coming from a, a defining moment. And uh, that certainly is consistent when I talk to people on this podcast about that watershed moment, that shift for them that helped them identify for them um, how they were going to continue to, to leave the impact they wanted to make. And um, the, the final thing, which again is incredible powerful in this, in this world where we're conforming and keeping up and uh, thinking that we're all chasing something and the same thing, that comment around the, the small actions um, that we take every single day um, in the direction will ultimately build that legacy. Um, something I think we should all consider about what's what's the action that you're taking today towards that goal. You know, we often talk about what you want to be when you grow up. I think you've already done quite a lot of growing up, Kathy. Um, what what would you like to be remembered for? Um. Oh, I don't think I've been asked that question. Just for being a happy person that left you feeling better about yourself and having more hope in life. Someone who, yeah, just created a bigger space for people in the world. Someone, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're already doing that. You've already impacted the lives of, of millions of people and, uh there are many millions more that are going to have the opportunity to uh, to work with you. So thank you so much for your time today. It's been an absolute pleasure. As always, there is never enough time to pick your brains and hear all your insight. But it's been an absolute joy to talk to you. Thanks so much for uh, for giving me your time today. Thanks, Janine. It's been a pleasure.
You take care. We hope you enjoyed listening to The Janine Garner Show. To follow her blog, purchase her books or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people, extraordinary results.